Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Jump into part three. We've been taking time to reflect on the word busy, and sometimes the word busy is offensive, right? If you say, um, especially when somebody comes at you with it. And so that's not the posture of my heart in this. The posture of my heart is to help us kind of take time during this season of of quarantine and social distancing, taking time to reflect and to actually uh, step back just a just a bit and see uh, where our time's been going and what relationships we really should be leaning into the most. And so um, I think this is something that we all desperately need, and um, the opportunity right now is right to do it. So I hope you've uh, caught part one and part three. If you haven't, you need to go catch those, and uh, I'll try to be quicker today. It's all rooted in John fifteen five, like I said, but we're using the story of Mary and Martha, and that's found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. And just to catch us up, I'm in the Living Bible Verse 38 says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Verse 39, uh, key verse uh, for what we're talking about. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. She was very engaged. Verse 40, Martha was the jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing amongst all the other details. And she came to Jesus and said, sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me, please. And the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, and in some verse, he says, Martha, Martha, as to get her attention to say, right here. He says, you're upset over all of these details. He said, but there is only one thing in verse 42. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it won't be taken away from her. And so I don't want to take this, this story too far out of context. We're going to use the people for who they are as people. One person realized what was what, what, what was important and set and remained in it. And the other person remained distracted. And so the challenge in all of this is to not be distracted by what we're doing, but to really connect with who we are and who God's called us to be, especially in this time. So we have time and uh, we have time to reflect and to do that. So the Bible tells us to do that throughout the Bible. You can find it in 1 Corinthians. Um, and that's a different story or a different a sermon for a different time. But for three days now, we've been looking at the difference between Mary and Martha and how to have the right approach when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. And so what we've discovered is the root of busy is doing. This was this is so true for where I was at and still a ditch for me today. I can get I can get busy with the best of them. And I love to be busy because it gives me a sense of a purpose. And there's nothing wrong with being busy as long as you're staying connected to your source, right? And so even in talking with busy today, we might not be as busy with our jobs, but we are just as busy with worry, right? Or we're just as busy with homeschooling our kids. Not that we're homeschooling them, but we're we're getting them through the distance learning and everything that they're going through. And so then what are you busy with right now? Identify that. Identify it. And so um, the root of busy is doing, busy and doing where Martha's approach. And I just want you to know that you weren't made to do. You were made to be. This is something we said in part one. We're all, we're all titled human beings. God created human beings. And so then you find who you are in Jesus, not in what you do for him or what you do for yourself. You find who you are in Jesus, not in what you do for him 
for God or for yourself. And so then John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Remain in me and I'll remain in you, right? And when you remain in me, it's all good. But it says, the one who is separated from me cannot do anything away from me or without me. And so when you stay connected to the source and believe that everything you are comes from him who is at work within you, then who you are will feel what you do. And that's how God intended it to be from the beginning. Who we are fuels what we do. It's not the opposite. What we do, what I do does not fuel who I am. What you do doesn't fuel who you are. It is who I am is what fuels what I do. Who I am fuels what I do. And that's the switch that I'm hoping we can actually step back and take take just a second, you know, or two minutes to actually look and identify as we go through these five parts of what it means to remain in our relationship with God. And so the opportunity that we all have is to take time and spend in relationship with God. So then we must stop being busy. Busy with what? Worry. Um, you know, what is what is stealing your attention today? Uh, fear. Um, you know, it's easy to look and see all of the negative reports and everything that's going on right now. And to look at statistics and numbers and think, oh, good grief. Like, what next? There's a lot of uncertainty right now. And if you lose your focus in that, it's just as, it's just as bad as being uh, super busy and, and lost in all the other stuff that normally consumes our time. And so then I just want to let you know that, that not being busy, right, not having our focus or our attention on one thing is not the social norm, right? Our social norm is to get, just to get it done, right? And so for us to not be busy means we're going to be still and get quiet for a minute. But in today's world, still and quiet means uh, disconnected, lazy, uh, unproductive, right? And so if you are sitting still for any amount of time, oh, lazy, right? You just kind of get that label because there's no production. And sometimes the best thing you can produce is who you are. You know, Jesus' moments of strength were those times where he went away and got quiet and connected with God. That's what allowed him to step in and do the miracles he did because he was he was consistent in his time with God. And that's all we're looking at and how to remain is how can we be consistent in our time with God? And I just want to know that, that regardless of not being busy and what society would tell us or what our, what the social norm is, is not being busy and being able to actually sit still and get quiet and be unproductive for a second doesn't mean that you're lazy. It doesn't mean that you're unproductive. That's a lie. It just means that you're connecting to the most important thing on the face of the earth. God, your creator, is who put you here. And so it's very, very good to be staying in relationship with him. And so <clears throat> all that aside, what rules today is economics. What people want to see is money and material. And because we need material and we need money, that steals our time. And that means we have to be busy. We have to be busy because time is money. Time is money. And if we ain't, if, if we ain't going, then we're burning money, right? And, and it's not that that perspective is off or wrong, but time is money. Uh, but the only thing that's going to gonna make that time more beneficial, more positive, more meaningful is a connection with your Heavenly Father. And so... 
today we rely on busy. We rely on material. We rely on money. We rely on, you know, the stock market. We rely on all these other things. We rely on all these sources. But what ruled a long time ago was reliance on God. What ruled a long time ago was, was our number one priority, our number one place where we sought. The number one person we sought after was God. We relied on God. We needed God and being quiet and still meant you're in relationship with him. It's the one who made you, right? This is the creator of heavens, of the heavens and the earth. This is the guy who made sun and night. And this is this is this is the the man, whatever, the God who created you. He created all these other things. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. He knows the number of the sand in the sea. His purpose in your life. And he created you for a purpose. And his purpose for you is not to keep up with you. It's to be connected with you. It's relationship. And so then, where is your focus? Is it on what to do? Or is it on who to be? Is it on what to do or who to be? And do you find that what you do determines who you are? And if that's the case, I'm just asking you to think about the other side of the coin or the backside of that dollar bill right now and say, what if who God's called me to be is what fuels what I do? And so remember, God says you're a human being first. You're not a human doing. And so then when you're intentional to connect to who you are, God will show up how you need him. When you're intentional to connect to who you are because of who he is, God will show up exactly how you need him. It's not always how you want. Well, it's just a, and it, yeah, it's real easy to get caught up in that and to be like, well, what I need is this. Is it really? Is it really? Because God knows what you need. And we're in, when we're intentional to connect with him, stay in relationship with him, he shows up exactly how we need. And so you must be intentional, must be intentional. And some of us are afraid of that because it means um, giving up what we want. And God doesn't want you to lose one thing that you have. It's not about that. It's just about taking time to connect. And so then Second Th- Second Thessalonians 1 and 2, or 1 verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a solid scripture. Here's what the message translation of Second Thessalonians 1 2 says. It says, Our God gives you everything you need and makes you everything you are to be. Our God gives you everything you need, not everything you want. Big difference, right? And makes you everything you are to be. It's a difference that you guys know this, especially your parents. I'm not always going to give my kid what they want, but I'll always give them what they need. It's the same way that God is with us. And so then uh, I always tell Oscar used to get so upset when he didn't get what he wanted. And I always reference the Rolling Stones tune. You can't always get what you want. And I would say that. And I would say, but what? I say, but what, Oscar? And he says, but you can try sometimes. And so many times our effort is in the trying to get what we want. It's so, well, I just want this. And we make it this mountain, right? We make this pinnacle of like, well, if I could only get that. And it's always about what we want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. You get what you need. And man, I never thought the Rolling Stones could teach me that kind of a lesson. (laughs) I never thought the Rolling Stones would teach Oscar that lesson. It's not so true with Kaz or Lanny by any means. Oscar gets it. 
And so then 2 Thessalonians 1, 2 says, Our God gives you everything that you need and makes you everything you are to be. What you need to see is that this happens with, with your cooperation, right? This is God's timing with your cooperation. And your cooperation is your relationship with him. It's your remaining in him. It is your trusting in him. It's your believing that he is who he says he is. It's your believing that he gives me everything I need and makes me everything I am to be. He makes me who I am to be, right? God wants to construct. This is a big thing if you're taking notes. God wants to construct who we are before he tells us what to do. God wants to construct who we are before he tells us what to do. So many times that's not true for us. What do we want to do? We want to fast forward. Yeah, yeah. Get me past the BS, okay? Get me past all that. I, yeah, that's good, Dusty. It's really good. But what am I doing? Like, what's what do I need to do next, right? Well, hey, I tell you what, man, if you just tell me what to do, I can move on. Um, I, I've been in so many conversations like that, it's not even funny, right? God wants to construct who we are before he tells us what to do. In other words, God's more concerned with your being than he is your doing. He's more concerned with who you are. And right now you have an opportunity to connect with that, with that. But in this time, in this season, what do we want to, what do we want to do? Right? Oh, what, what, what are we going to do next? Hey, what's the answer? What's, uh, where do I need to go? Who do I need to connect with? Like, what's the deal? How can I, how can I do this from my house? Right? And God's saying, what you need to see is I want to construct who you are before I tell you what to do. And we've lost touch with that, speaking from experience. And so one of the reasons you might feel stuck spiritually is because we've overlooked that part of it and we've just gotten busy, right? It's just, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And so, and then because we're stuck being busy, we want to know, well, why is God not working on my behalf? Why is this not working out the way I want it to? Why, well, I, I planned it to go like this and, and heaven forbid it doesn't go A, B, C, D, right? And the reality is, is, is that wasn't God's intention or God's plan from the beginning. If you ever consulted him from the start, you would know, right? And we talked about that last week. If God's not in it from the beginning, he won't be in it at all. And so then... 2 Thessalonians 1, 2, our God gives you everything you need and makes you everything that you are to be. And so then when we get stuck in the doing and busy, we lose sight of that. And then our first thing is to blame God. Well, how come? I'm doing all this. You know, I prayed this morning on the way to work. How come he's not working on my behalf? How come he's not doing for me? I'm doing for him. And God says, I never wanted you to do. I never wanted you to do. I'm just really concerned with who you are. And once, once you get to know that, once you grasp that, then, then I'll put you out on mission, right? Then I want to construct who you are before I tell you what to do, which means I'm more concerned with who you are with your being than I am with your doing. And so all God's waiting for us to do is let go. Is to let go of what we think we want to let go of whatever we're chasing, right? Our service to Jesus or to God is fueled. Our service to God is fueled from our relationship with Jesus, right? Come to the Father through the Son. There's one way to go, right? It's through the Son. And so then it's not what I do for him. It's who he is to me. He sent Jesus for me. 
right? And so if you think about Martha, we're not too busy. We're just paying too much attention to things that don't matter. We're busy with things that don't really matter, that have really no impact on us whatsoever. When we get down to bare bones, things that do not change the outcome of our life are stealing from us. Things that are not changing the outcome of your daily is stealing from you. And so then, what's stealing from you right now? Worry. Fear. Yes, I understand where we're at. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. But in this season, how can you identify what has been or what is stealing your time? Right? Right now. You can go pre-coronavirus and you can go right now. And I'm hoping that right now will help you move forward and and actually help you, just like me, fix your focus on what's the most important thing. If my why is attached to a who, who needs me the most? Who has God given me? Right? It's my wife, my kids. Right? And then after that, you go into your leadership, husband, right? Father, boss, leader, pastor, executives, you know, CEO, coworker, friend, any of those things. But right now, what is stealing your time. Matthew 16, 26 says, what will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will, in other words, what will a man give in exchange for his life? A lot of people are trading their heart and soul today for status, for stuff, and it's costing them their life. When you look at Matthew 16, you see that everything works on an exchange. My pastor taught me this. Everything works on exchange. In Matthew 16, the reference to the whole world equals everything that you want. And losing your life equals time and busy. It equals doing. And so then, I've always said this, every yes is a no to something. So what yeses are costing you right now with your family, at your house, and your leadership, all of those things? Right. And so then the whole world equals everything you want. Losing your life is being busy. It's time. It's doing. And so then what I hope you see today is what we find in Colossians 324. This is the message. It says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward because it is him you are serving. It's him you're serving. It's not about a job. It's about Jesus. Let today be the day that you get real about this that you might have buzzed through those first couple of messages, part one and two, but let this be the day that you're like, okay, I I am actually going to pay attention. I'm going to identify this and I'm going to hit it head on. I'm going to hit it head on. If you're ever going to be who God intended you to be, you can't be distracted with what you do. If you're ever going to be who God intended you to be, you cannot be distracted with what you do. And that means right now with all the things that are consuming you, right? Because they've changed. This week they changed. Last week they changed. Our life has been interrupted. And so then how can we actually step back and reflect a little bit and get our mind right? Get our relationships right. You have to get in the place that Martha got when the Lord humbled her. If you remember that, he essentially says, hey, she's focused on the right thing and it won't be taken from her. Essentially, wake up, girl. And so then um, what we have to do is get honest and get real and humble ourselves to get it corrected. And that takes initiative on our part. And that takes being willing. And that's our action step today is to be willing. Before I tell you that, um, I was in Daniel this week, chapter 10 and verse 12. I was reading Daniel. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, I apologize. Daniel prayed to God 
and he essentially um, <clears throat> he had been praying to God and was asking for something that was not being answered. It was not being answered. And in chapter 10, verse 12 of Daniel, it says, An angel came to Daniel and said, Do not be afraid, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. What's it saying? Don't be afraid. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself, which is our action step today, right? We have to get to a place where we where I identify with Martha and be like, all right, yeah, I've been there. When you came to that place where you gained understanding and you humbled yourself before God, your words were heard then. Why? Why? Because you actually connected to who and you set down what? Right? And it says the angel came in response to him. And if you would say that today, like, man, I have been in that place. I have been busy. I've been too busy. So much so it's been stealing my time. In the last two weeks, I've, I've realized that there's a new normal that's happening. There's something else stealing my time now. If you've been in that place, I just want to give you permission. You don't have to work, push, drive, anything to accomplish anything. You're good enough today. And so then you don't have to push drive or accomplish anything to receive God's love or acceptance of you. Nothing you will ever do, nothing you will ever do will make God love you any more than he loves you right now than he loved you yesterday. God loves you infinitely. You can't do anything to earn it because he already did it for you. He already did what most of us think we have to work for. The only thing we have to do is to accept it. And so understanding that it's already yours, that it's already been accomplished, is a, is a really big deal. When you accept that who you are is connected to um, Jesus and that we remain in that, it'll change your life. That God's more concerned with who we are than what we do and that who we are fuels what we do, then it's life-changing. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do I believe this enough to let it change my life? Do I believe this enough to lean into it, to see if there's an opportunity for life change? And so how can we be willing? Willing costs us something, right? We're all willing to do all kinds of things that are, uh, that are payoff for us. Yeah, I'm willing to do that as long as there's an exchange or something back good for me. But when we talk about being willing to listen, to be obedient to God, what we're saying is, that means I have to open my hands a little bit, right? And so look at how willing Mary was in verse 39. She's at her sister's house. Don't you know that sisters are like this, right? Heather and her sister Anna are tight. They text, call, they do almost everything together a thousand miles apart, right? They go through life together. Mary and Martha had to be the same way. But what happened is Mary's demeanor changed when Jesus got there because something made her realize, I need to be, I need to be at this guy's feet. There's something he has to say that I need to listen to, right? And so then here's what she says. Her sister said, here's what she said. Her sister said on the floor listening. Don't you know this had to drive Martha nuts because Martha's like, Mary, man, you're like, you're, it's us. Like, help me in the kitchen. And you don't hear anything from Mary in this story, by the way. She is just like zoned in. And she's taking time to be with and in who she's called to be in, right? In verse 42, Jesus tells Martha, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. It won't be taken away from her. When we discover what it means to be willing, man, it changes everything. And when we discover what it means to be willing, 
God says, it will not be taken away from us. And so when we connect to who, everything takes care of itself, right? And so what does it mean then to be willing? This is the definition, to be eager and prepared. To be eager and prepared. That's what it means to be willing. So are you are you willing to let God work in your life or do you have it all under, all under control? Why do we want to be willing? 2 Corinthians 8, 12, if you're taking notes. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and according to what you have. Not what you don't. And so many times we get busy chasing these, uh, you know, these mythical things where we've created and made it some deal. And it's like, I mean, I can't do that anymore. I don't have that in me. And what I want you to see this morning is God never asked you to give that in the first place. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and according to what you have, not what you don't have. Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Willingness leads to obedience. Obedience leads to prosperity. It's Joshua 1, 9, I think. Don't quote me. It's in the Bible, though. Obedience leads to prosperity. Well, how can we be obedient? We're willing. We have to be willing, right? If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. How do we do this? We just we just talked about what and why. We got some scripture references. Great. We're going to come into a time with God with the right attitude, right? It's not my way. It's this is time that I've set aside because I am faithful to the one who created me. And I want to connect with him because the only thing he ever wanted with me was relationship, right? And so, so come into your time with the right attitude, not choosing to do your will or what you want to do or what you will not do. Man, if I come into my time with God and say, hey, listen, I'll do anything but this, it's the wrong heart. It's the wrong heart. It's the wrong attitude. Come to your time with God with the purpose of doing anything that God has for you. Understanding, knowing, believing that God will never ask you to do or give what you don't have. He only asks you to give what you have. And right now, you have some time. So I'm just challenging you to take some time to sit with God. If you've paid attention to the first two of these, even Sunday's intro, you'll find it's all laid out for you. It's all laid out for you. And so then your step, you're going to find this in Psalm 119, verse 5. It says this, if only my ways, and this is three different versions of this verse, if only my ways were committed, directed, established to keeping your statutes. If only my ways were committed to, were directed to, or were established to keeping your statutes. What's this mean? Let my actions and my words match his. Let my actions and my words match his. Seek his will for your life. This is the Lord's Prayer. You can find the Lord's Prayer. If you've never prayed before, open to Matthew 6, go to verse 9 through 13. Your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. Your will be done, not mine. Your kingdom, your will. What The, the reality is this. Is your life on earth as it will be in heaven? The answer right now is probably no. That's God's will for your life. God's will for your life is that you would see kingdom in your life, that you would see his will in your life. And right now, if we've got a death grip on our life, then that means we're not letting God do very much with it. But we're sure asking him to work, right? And so how do we do that? We'd be willing. Lord, your kingdom come in my life on the earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, not my will. You can't always get what you want. You can try sometimes. And when you try, you're busy, right? But if you just ease up, you'll get what you need, right? And so...
Matthew 6, 33. Here's, here's how are my actions matching? How's my will aligning? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It's you and God first. It's your relationship with him. It's that connection. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Your next step now is to lead this. Lead it in your life. Lead it in your life. You're going to be an example in word, deed, purity, and faith. Because when you seek his will for your life, you'll be fulfilled. Instead of your own will, which leads to frustration and angst and worry. In part four and five, I'm going to help you set a daily schedule. It's still going to be based, obviously, out of the Bible. This is all biblical principles. I'm going to give you some resources that are going to help you uh, gain perspective on what you can see happen in your life. And if you'll just dig into these a little bit, it's a process. This is two years of my life um, that I constantly continue to pour into. But if you will um, look at these five principles that we're talking about, starting with part one, all the way through part five, and start chiseling out 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, that one minute will turn to five. That five will turn to 15. And God will change your life. He'll transform what's happening inside of your life because you're being faithful to actually connect to what he's asking us to do in John 15, 5, which is remain in me and I will remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. God wants to do that for you. He wants He wants your will and his will to match. When, you're, when your wills are in line, when you're willing to, to be that, God will move mountains in your life. I'm 100% positive. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this principle, Lord, of just being willing. I ask that you would help us to see it and to be it and to move forward in it. Lord, if there are those people who do not know you, I just ask you, Lord, that you would help them to um, find a place where they can be bold and confident in who you are and why you sent your son, Jesus. I thank you for um, an amazing day, an amazing week, an amazing time this morning as we've got to sit and focus on who you've called us to be. Lord, we know that everything we are Everything we are comes from who you've called us to be, and we are grateful for it, Lord. I love you. I thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.